0: You're listening to the Hope Assembly podcast with Pastor Ryan Day. For more information, you can visit us online at hopeassembly.org. Please enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, good morning, church. I hope that you are doing well. I hope you've had a great week. Um, Today's going to be a little bit different. Our service is going to be a little bit different than usual. um, Due to what is going on in our nation around the death of George Floyd and the discussions about uh, racial inequalities and racism, the riots that are happening, the protests that are happening. I thought it was a good time for us to take a quick pause um, or in-between series. We were going to start our new series on Pentecost um, but I felt like it was important to maybe um, have a conversation around the idea of racial reconciliation and the church. Now, I'm not an expert in racial reconciliation, but I want to do what I can do to help f- move us along in the conversation. Um, so what I did was I uh, contacted my buddy Pete Smith who lives in the DC area. Uh, we've been friends for almost 16 years and we had a conversation together over Zoom around the idea of racial reconciliation in the church and I thought we would record it and give you the opportunity to sort of listen in to the discussions that we're having. I do want to say this might feel a little uncomfortable for some people uh, around this conversation but hang with us because these are the conversations we need to be having. Uh, we can't do everything, but we can certainly do something. And so take the next few moments. We're not going to have any worship. We're just going to dive right in to the conversation that Pete and myself had uh, yesterday around the idea of racial r- racial reconciliation and the church. God bless you. I'll be back at the end to pray for us and uh, send us on our way. So tune in. Here we go. Well, um, Pete, thank you so much for joining me today and for everybody who is tuning in to our Hope Assembly uh, church service, live stream church service. We're so grateful that you're here. Uh, We're doing a little something different this morning. Um, We're going to have a conversation. Pete is a longtime friend of mine. We're going to have a conversation about racial reconciliation and the church and um, some ways, uh, some real life stories and some ways in which we can engage this conversation together. I'm going to pray. And then we'll have some introductions, and then we'll dive right into it. Um, so let's pray, Father. We're so grateful for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you are so good, um, and we thank you that you are you are interested in and concerned with the needs of the least of these, with the needs of those who are disenfranchised, with those who have been um, put off to the side, to minorities, to uh, all types of people, that you are the God of all nations, tribes, and tongues. And so, Lord, we pray that you would direct us and lead us as we have this conversation together about what it looks like for racial reconciliation in the church. Holy Spirit, direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, this is my friend, Pete uh, Smith. Many of you um, maybe have, some of you have maybe met him before. Um, he's been up here a couple of times for the opening of Hope Assembly. Uh, he was here uh, for uh, Josiah and Jocelyn's wedding. Um, and it's just really a great, dear friend of mine. So, Pete, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? And then we'll kind of talk about how we met and uh, our friendship. Right. Hope Assembly, what's going
1: on? Man, this is exciting, and uh, what a blessing. Um, not the greatest subject in time right now, because you know, a little angry and upset and feeling, you know, just anxious and and, and, and just uh, having a tough time with what's going on in our country. But um, I just thank God that I have the opportunity to be here. Thank God for my great friend. Pastor Ryan Day and uh, the fact that he uh, uh, just uh, thought about enough of me and our relationship to ask me to be here. And so I just thank God for that. Again, I'm Pete Smith. Um, I'm just a simple guy, you know, um, from uh, I was born in Kingston, Jamaica. My parents were Jamaican. And uh, when I was like a month old or six months old, I'm sorry, uh, they brought me over from Jamaica and they were... um, uh, they were uh, immigrants from jamaica they 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 started in the uh, service system they were helping out a family a Dennis family here in washington d c and uh, they worked their way up they built a house they got a house built and uh, they brought our whole family over and we just you know we kind of became americans and so from there um, we we lived in different neighborhoods we lived in um, some you know a little little bit less uh, a, a stellar neighborhood and uh, then we moved to uh, more of a uh i think it was a diverse neighborhood you know because when we moved there i had some you know i had um white i'm gonna say look i need to say white and black today because you know i don't have enough time to be saying african-american and caucasian so just be with me on this and let me say white and black okay i'm not i hope i don't offend anybody but i'm gonna do that just just the same time are we good with that there pastor ryan
0: we're totally good with it. Go okay, ahead. Okay,
1: good. All right. So um, it had black and white people there and uh, 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 even uh, Hispanic and such. And so I grew up in that neighborhood. Um, and we went to it, actually, went to a mostly all white church. And uh, in Washington D.C. Uh, of all places, on 16th and Taylor Street, National Memorial Church of God. And so um, there, I kind of learned to, you know, um, just love and be around, you know, white people. It was it was pretty cool, you know. And then, of course, in my neighborhood, it was mixed. And so I was I had the best of the, both worlds, if you will. Uh, from there, I uh, I graduated from high school. I uh, joined the Air Force. Uh, I spent 30 wonderful years in the Air Force, went all over the world and country and um, did a whole bunch of things. I did logistics in there and I, I, I did a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, great things in the Air Force and just really enjoyed my time. I met my lovely wife, Latoya Smith, uh, while we were stationed in uh, South, North Carolina. And um, uh, later on, we had three wonderful girls, um, Aria, Gabrielle, and Addison. Right now, they're gonna be 14. They're gonna be, one's gonna be 12, and one's gonna be 10. And uh, and so we're just enjoying life with them. Right now, I am not working. I'm blessed to be uh, retired. I'm a disabled veteran, and, uh, you know, God has blessed me to have, um, you know, uh, finances coming in. My wife is still active duty. She works at the Pentagon. She goes every day. She doesn't like commuting, but she goes every day. And so, uh, and, and and right now she's working from home and so we just thank god for that but um god has blessed us in our lives we gave our life to christ um probably back in uh 2000 uh and we were fully dedicated and by the time we got to uh colorado we pcs to colorado we moved to colorado for the air force and we ran into my good friend pastor ryan day uh at church for all nations and so um we, we met him and we just became great friends. We just automatically connected. Uh, he came over to our house like the first day we met because I think we were planning on doing a, a small group or something, and we just connected, you know? And, uh, and, and so, you know, I had never had such a, such a, such a friend like that that was uh, close to me in Jesus. And he helped disciple me, helped me draw closer to Christ. He helped me to, um, Uh, sing. He allowed me to sing one Sunday morning and uh, I blew it up. No, I didn't blow it up. Uh, (laughs) He allowed me to sing one Sunday morning and I just, you know, became connected to that and taught me how to worship and how to, you know, just become a, a, a powerful man of, of God. And so I thank Pastor Ryan. You guys have a wonderful pastor. And then I'm just ready for today. We're going to have a great time talking and just talk about some issues that are, that are that are dear to my heart and dear to Pastor Ryan's heart. So I thank God for him and thank God for him uh, feeling like this is important enough to spend a Sunday morning on. So love you, brother. Oh, also, he is the godfather for my first daughter. We were having some fertility problems, and he prayed with us and walked with us through that time. And just such a blessing in our lives. My wife, Latoya, and I, we love him so much, and our family loves him so much. And so we thank God for Ryan Day, Karen Day, and the Day family.
0: Well, thanks for um, that was more than I had. I'll pay you later, maybe. For now, You some-
1: know, I talk, Yeah, you know, I'm a talker. <laughs>
0: um but let me say this off the start because we're gonna we're gonna dive in here but um you know all cards on the table pete and i have been talking we spent a couple hours really over this week chatting about the current events that are happening around us uh from brianna taylor uh to ahmaud arbery um uh, christian cooper the birder in new york city who was um Really, his race was used against him. His his blackness was weaponized against him um, by Amy Cooper, uh, and then of course the most recent situation with George Floyd, um, who uh, was killed in the street with a police officer's knee to his neck for almost ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are um, these are really uncomfortable conversations that we need to have. Um, And so I want you to buckle in with me and and listen for a little bit, because I think one thing we've got to do is listen more. But I do want to say this from the start. We are not going to be able to answer all of the questions or solve all the problems in this Zoom meeting. Uh, I have some notes here um, that we've taken, not so much that we have scripted this out, this is really just a conversation between us, um, but more so to keep us on track because we could literally be here for hours talking about these things because of the relationship that we have. And so this is just, I felt it important that we come together and, and pause in our series we wanna start on Pentecost and and, and talk about what's going on around us and how we can be a part of that. So Pete and I have known each other since around 2004, so almost like uh, 15, 16 years. Um, uh, and as he said, we have been um, friends that entire time. There has been, uh, we have sang together. We have definitely laughed together. We have played a lot of golf together. We have um we have wept together. Um, We have struggled together. Um, We have, you know, you name everything about life, we have shared those things together. Whether, um, you know, he's on the East Coast right now in DC, I'm obviously on the West Coast in Portland, Oregon. We haven't allowed that. Uh, We probably haven't connected as much as we would like to because life gets busy. But uh, man, every time we connect is as if we had never missed a beat. Uh, I love Pete and Latoya, uh, Aria, Gabrielle, Addison. I love their family deeply. And it gave us the opportunity uh, when I called him, uh, FaceTimed him and said, Hey, Pete, I feel like we need to talk about this. And I feel like our church could really benefit from hearing this conversation. Yeah. Uh, one thing that is has set our relationship apart uh, in, my, in my view, is that uh, we have such a great relationship that um, around 2008, um, Pete and LaToya called me. And if you remember 2008, that's when uh, Barack Obama was elected as the first African-American president of the United States of America. And um, at that time, I was fully embedded. Um, I could say this about myself. I was fully embedded in the Republican, GOP, conservative ideology and was running down a trail um, of political ideologies that was extremely partisan and, um, and, and, and in a lot of ways, unbiblical. And, um, and I had been posting some things online about these ideas. And I think one of the things that I was posting was getting wrapped up in what was known as the birther movement about um, Barack Obama making claims that he is not an American citizen um, and those kind of things. And I will never forget um, one day uh, Pete texted me I think I said hey we need to we need to set up a time to FaceTime because he was in uh, he's on the east coast and I was still in Colorado. And uh, that that FaceTime um, conversation changed my life. Um, it was one of the most difficult conversations I've had with someone uh, that I loved, but it changed my life. And Pete, do you want to uh, tell us a little bit about that story?
1: Yeah. So so again, you know, we've established that you know we love each other as brothers. I left even left out the part when I was deployed to Iraq and Afghanistan you know, uh, Ryan was always contacting me, sending me stuff and staying in contact with me. And so, you know, we had that type of relationship. So it was a, it was definitely a tough call and a tough text message to write. Latoya and I got together and we said, you know, we love this guy so much that we have to let him know what's going on. And so what we were seeing, you know, we saw, we knew one person, but what we were reading, what we was reading was a whole nother person. You know, if we didn't know him, we would be like, oh, that's a racist dude. Too easy. You know, this dude is, is, a, is a racist guy, you know, but because we knew his heart, because we knew the type of person he was, because we spent so much time with him, we said, okay, he is just probably a little blind to it. So we, as his friends, as his brother and sister, we need to contact him. So we did. We got on Facetime, and what we said was, we said, Ryan, you know, um, we know we know you have some beliefs about President Obama, and you know, and 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 and, and, and how he is, uh, you know, what what he stands for and such. But what the things that you're saying and the things that we see on Facebook and on your timeline and on Twitter and all that, it's it it seems like you're racist. If we didn't know you, we would think that you were you were a racist white dude, you know, and we would just. You know, cancel your out prescription with you and say, you know, we're not going to see this guy anymore. You know, I mean, we're tired of hearing from him. And so we loved him enough to tell him that. And we told him, hey, you know, man, we love you, but this is not healthy and it's hurting us. And I'm sure it's hurting other people that probably of color that know and love you. And, And so his reaction was just, I mean, what it should be you know, and what it, what it should be with us as Christians. You know, he looked at the situation and said, you know, if I'm hurting my, my friends and my family, and this can't be biblical, you know, this can't be God.
0: Yeah. I remember when, when you guys, when you called me or we FaceTimed, we did it via video so we could see each other's right,
1: responses. Right. Might've been Skype back then.
0: It actually might've been. <laughs> um, and, uh, and um, I remember as you were telling me what what you were feeling from the things that I was posting, this just gut-wrenching, I, I was broken, really. I, I've told this story a couple of times, perhaps to our church. I know in many instances I've told this story about my own shortcomings in regards to racial, racial reconciliation and realizing what some of these issues uh, how I was complicit in a lot of these uh, racial issues, but when when people that I loved so dearly, and um, I'm the I'm the godfather of their da- daughter. I don't remember if, if Gabrielle had been born yet or not. Uh, I, don't I think she
1: might have. She just might. She just
0: might have been born, but Aria for sure. Um, and um, people that I love so dearly, and this is what my words were doing to them, my, and not just my words, but my position, like the position of my heart, and I recognized in that moment that it was not just um, controversial, but that it was sinful, and that I had chosen partisan politics over the kingdom of God, the way of the kingdom of God, and it, and it just, it killed me, like literally in the depths of my heart, I said, I need to repent, I need to change this about me. And it was from that moment on that I sort of set myself up that I'm not a, a donkey or an elephant, man. I come under the banner of the lamb that was slain and there's no partisan politics that mean anything to me that is greater than the kingdom of God and the people of God mm-hmm. in that deal. And so um, we're saying that, we're telling that story for a little bit of context of the conversations that we have had over the years. And we've had lots of them over the years together about um, about uh, racial reconciliation, when I'm struggling with what's going on in our world in regards to race and politics and all those kind of things. Uh, for instance, when uh, Colin Kaepernick was taken a knee um, uh, during the national anthem, and I, f- I felt it, it, the need to support um, that sort of protest, um, I called Pete and we talked for hours, I'm like, man, you are retired Air Force, 30 years serving our country under the banner of that flag, you are an African American, tell me your thoughts. And So we've had these conversations about that. And so I I want us to um, talk a little bit now about racial reconciliation and the church and why is this an important deal for the church. Now, I uh, preached a message a few years ago um, when things began to break out um, around uh, Philando Castile um, and, and his um, his unnecessary death at the hands of police officers. And I preached a message called Do Justice, Love Mercy, While Cumbly. It's still on YouTube. Um and it's from Micah 6.8. And I think this is important. I'm going I'm to share a little bit of theological context on why we need to have this conversation in the church. And then I'm going to ask you some questions about this sort of thing. Micah 6.8 says, What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Now, what Micah is saying here. Is the issue is that the Israelites have allowed um, systematic or systemic violence against um, the impoverished, against um, those uh, minorities among them, and they have just uh, whether whether um, whether they're intentionally overtly. Uh, executing this violence against them, or whether they're just turning a blind eye and are complicit in the violence. They're allowing violence against people who are marginalized. And um, and the Lord is speaking through Micah saying, listen, this is what I require of you to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. And I think that, you know, today's Pentecost Sunday, and originally, we we're going to start a series on Pentecost. But really, when we look at Pentecost, I have a couple quotes here about Pentecost. Pentecost is all about the bringing together of nations. It's sort of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter two, is the reversal of the Tower of Babel. The Tower of Babel was about the separating of the nations, confounding their languages because they were trying to pridefully uh, exalt themselves to the heavens to be like God themselves. And God uh, separated them out, confounded their languages, and under the kingdom of God, through Christ, all of a sudden there's this great reversal. And we see it in Pentecost where they begin to speak with other tongues and every nation begins to hear the glory of God in their own language. And so there's this unifying element of Pentecost where it brings all nations together under the banner of the the kingdom of God through Christ and the Holy Spirit to declare the glory of God. Uh, Chris Green said it like this. He said, Pentecost, the event that supposedly defines us is a feast of shared humanity, a celebration of the end of racial hostility. Mm. Paul would later say that like Jesus Christ through the cross tore down the dividing wall, the separating wall of hostility that there is now, therefore, not neither Greek nor Jew, uh, slave nor free, male nor female, like every sort of structure that's dividing and separating out. Um, he's saying no, that's been torn down, and all of these people come together as one in the kingdom of God. Uh, and then Bishop. Uh, Theo, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, Theo Clemens said this, the responsibility for promoting racial healing rests with all Americans, but especially with the church and especially with those Christians for whom Pentecost is the metaphor that defines their vision. Essentially what he's saying is that's the idea of Pentecost, all the nations coming together under the banner of the kingdom of God. Yes. So let's talk about it. Pete, I want to ask you a couple of questions. One, why do you feel like it's so important for the church uh, to not be silent on racial reconciliation or matters of race in general?
1: It's important for the church not to be silent because um, our country, um, people that don't know the Lord, people that don't know um, the way of of, of christ don 't read their bible regularly um, they don uh, 't they, 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 they have to be able to see um, the love that we have uh, for one another, you know no matter what uh, race you know no matter what uh, church that we go to a lot of people think that the racial reconciliation is um, is having a diverse church and it's not necessarily that you know what I mean really what it is is it's 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 coming together as Christians and loving one another deeply you know as Christ taught us you know not as you know not not just coming together in the same church Uh, Ryan and I we met each other in a in a in a diverse church church for all nations they had you know every 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 ethnic person in there you know every kind and and so you know was that necessarily the, uh, the racial reconciliation? And I had to say no, you know, and what, what needs to be done is um, the people within that church or the people in this country or in the church, they need to be able to look and, and, and feel what is going on for different races and be very, um, be very, but have a lot of empathy as we were talking about last night uh, for the different races. And that's where the racial reconciliation comes in. You know, it's deeper than, you know, just having a mixed church. It's, it's about feeling and, 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 and talking about those issues and making sure that you bring them to light.
0: It's like, you know, what I hear you saying is, Partly is like what Jesus said in his great high priestly prayer that they will know that you're my disciples right. because of your love for one another. Right. yeah. And he and he provides no caveats in that about any sort of your love for one another if yeah. and, you know they think exactly the way if they're a part of your political party if they come from your nation or or have the same skin tone that you have. There's no caveats there. It's about listen. They'll know that you're my disciples because of the way that you love one yeah, another, another, Yeah. regardless of all of those things. Right. And I think even deeper than that, and this is where I, I tend to land personally too. And why I think it's important that we have these conversations and why I reached out to you many times about it is it comes down to the, to what is our belief about the Imago Dei, about the image of God. If we believe that all of humanity are image bearers of God, equally image bearers of God, equally created in the image of God. Then we should stand up when they are being treated as less than, when they are be when their dignity and humanity is being stripped from them. It is it is a requirement of Scripture for those of us who do have the power to lay down our power for the sake of those who are being dehumanized and um, and being treated as Less than image bearers of God,
1: and 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 so the the opposite way is easy. You know, the obvious way is to say, "Oh wow, that's that's terrible. What's happened on the news? That's terrible that that gentleman got killed. That's terrible that that man got shot on his couch. That's terrible that you know." Um, um, My daughter in Texas got called uh, the N word on the bus by a four year old. It's terrible that my other daughter um, was was discriminated against and locked out of a dressing room of a play and had to go get dressed in a bathroom. It's terrible that uh, a young man went around in in on the playground asking different kids, do black lives matter? Do black lives matter? Do black lives matter? And took a vote, came back to my youngest daughter and says, I guess black lives don't matter because you lose the vote. And and, 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 and so these things happen in our country and people just you know, bad and I. We told the principal. We told we went through all we went through all of the 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 administration of that of that of that school uh, district in Texas, and we told them they punished the individuals, but where did that little kid, that three-year-old, get that from? Where did that nine-year-old get that from? Where did that, you know, uh, seven-year-old get that information from? They got it because of you know, what was being said in their home, what was being practiced in their homes, you know, they didn't just come up with that and call my daughters that and make those things up. These are things that are being pressed. So we, as Christians, we have to make sure that we shut that stuff down. You know, when we hear it, we have to make sure that we are, um, are, are praying and we have to make sure that we are a godly people in all ways, because, you know, we could be blind to that. We could be blind to that, and we've been talking about that casual racism, and it can be it can be really um it could be it can be hurtful, you know. I mean, I'm I'm just sitting here today, just just angry. I don't I don't know. I'm walking around the house. I'm like, why am I so mad? Oh yeah, okay, because you know the the way that we're being unfairly treated, you know, the way that 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 Black America is being unfairly treated, and it's not just Black men. I mean, look at the list. There's Black women that are being that are right. being you killed, know, that are being you know. Um, wrongfully, wrongfully killed. And so it, it, it's just hurting. So I have to have talks with my little girls and I have to tell them, okay, when you come in contact with the policeman, these are the things that you have to do, you know? You need to not talk back. You need to, you know, be very respectful. You need to make sure you don't move too fast. You know, you need to not resist anything, you know? And so these are conversations that we have to have with our daughters at seven and eight and nine. You know, and and, and we have to start talking about these things because they're they're, they're what could possibly keep our children alive.
0: I would say one of the posts that I made uh, uh, around this situation, um, I started off saying, I am I am so sick and tired of this. Mm -hmm. And I am a privileged white male. Right. Like if. I can't, and I went on to say, I just... need to do that
1: to establish, because
0: anything else you would say, you'd be like,
1: what is this white dude doing talking about, you know, racism? You know what I mean? We want to know that you know that, you know, this is what you are,
0: you know? And I'm saying it along the line of, like, if I am this tired of this, mm-hmm. what must you feel like? What must hey. my, my brothers and sisters hey, awesome. uh, feel in these situations that are constantly living under the stress and the, and the duress that is happening around them. Now I want to, I want to make something, I want to point something out here. We talked about this yesterday a little bit and, and people can think that, that this racism, this idea, whether casual or not is sort of relegated to the quote unquote ghetto. It's the poor neighborhoods in, in, uh, urban America, you know, whatever. It's, 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 it's not that common. Um, But you have spent quite a few years, like I said, 30 years in the Air Force, you've lived in a lot of different places. Um, You've done well for yourself. It's not like you're an impoverished family. Uh, You have a beautiful family, beautiful homes, you've been able to live in almost any neighborhood you want to live in. Um, And yet it still finds you like you couldn't buy you said yesterday was powerful. You couldn't buy your way out of racism.
1: I, I, I can't buy my way out of racism. I, I could become a millionaire, you know, because I'm, I'm a thousandaire right now, you know, <laughs> so I could, I, could, I could become a millionaire and I still couldn't buy my way out of racism. You know, I could move in the best neighborhoods. I was in Texas. I was in a beautiful neighborhood, um, you know, and, and when I went out, I was on guard. Because I was the only black person in the uh, in the in the neighborhood, and so if I'm running around, walking around, or, or 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 by myself during the day, or what have you, you know, I had my phone, I had my wallet, I had you know, made sure I had something with my address on it, because if a policeman came through there, he could be like, "What are you doing here?" You know, and I'd be like, "Well, I live here." And we're like, "Yeah, right," you know, and so I I feel like you know. In this time, because we experienced this, and I've experienced, um, you know, uh, uh, being mistreated by policemen and stuff like that in my in my youth, and so I can't buy out of that. We can't buy out of. That. I can't buy out of. Uh, what did I put down there? I can't buy. I can't buy it through. Get it becoming more educated. I got a master's degree. You know, I'm going to school. You know, for everything. I can't be overeducated out of racism. You know, I couldn't be overeducated when I was in the military. Uh, I couldn't be done, I couldn't be promoted out of racism. You know, I reached the highest rank in, in on the enlisted side and I still couldn't be promoted out of racism. I still experienced it, you know, daily. I mean, it wasn't terrible, it wasn't awful, but no one can say that, you know, hey, racism doesn't exist. We've had a black president. Racism doesn't exist in this country. Please stop saying that. Ugh.
0: <laughs> right. And it's just, you know, you, when you put it in perspective, again, master's degree, highest ranking enlisted in the Air Force, um, you know, able to do, able, good, we do we to go all the things.
1: Not bragging, but gee, Lord, come on, you know. <laughs> <Right>. It's still
0: <laughs> impacting you. Oh, stop, yeah, imagine, racist. <laughs> imagine all of these people who are living in Intentionally impoverished neighborhoods uh, through gerrymandering, through all kinds of political um, systems that have been set up to to minimize and reduce them, um, to create uh, you know educational systems that do that that dis, uh, disadvantage uh, people of color, that set up banking systems that disadvantage people of color. Like this is the history of our country. Yeah. There's not one major institution that did not treat African-American people as if they were less than. And then people, you know, get upset at me, like, but what about, you know, white power? Or someone told me just recently that the black supremacy is just as equal as white supremacy, which is not a thing. Like, there's no such thing as black supremacy. There's not one institution in this United States of America that was established for black supremacy. Not banking, not housing, not educational, not, it it just doesn't exist. Like, that is not... A thing, and um, and so you know if it's happening for you, who's done well for himself, and your family's done well for themselves, imagine how how difficult it is. Like you just you just talked about you know, a couple of things I was thinking about. Recently, a video came out of a, of a white man in a uh, fairly wealthy building. Um, and there were four or five African-American younger men who were entrepreneurs who had been renting in the WeWork facility of that building for over a year and a half running their entrepreneurial business. Um, they had key cards, each one of them to get into the athletic weight weight room facility um that they were in and this uh caucasian man was videoing them claiming that they didn't belong and the reason why he thought it was suspicious is was simply because of the color of their skin that was it like he was weaponizing the color of their skin against them and making claims that they should not be there because of the color of their skin Mm -hmm. this is what's happening and just because it doesn't happen to me doesn't mean it's not happening. Right. And we can do that as as white people. We can be like, well, I don't think it's happening because I haven't experienced it. Well, that's right. just that's just a well, really I haven't problem. done it,
1: or I haven't done it. You know what I mean? I haven't done it, so it's not happening. Right, you know? right.
0: I'm not responsible because I'm yeah. not participating right. in that. Right. So that brings me to this question then, because um, a lot of people, you know, that we're talking to now, who knows where this video will go? Um, but a lot of people we're talking to now that that are white probably do not see themselves as being racist. Like I didn't think that I was racist and I wasn't racist, although I was participating in racism when you called me uh, about my posts. Um, So they see themselves as not being uh, caught up in it. So therefore, why should we say something about it? So i want to ask you, what does the silence of your brothers and sisters, people like me, uh, especially white ones, what does the silence of your brothers and sisters speak to you?
1: What it speaks to me is is, is, is a sense of, of caring and, and empathy, because if you would allow, for instance, a, a conversation uh, to go on with you with the N-word, and if you were to allow a conversation to go on with you with jokes about um, Latinos or what have you, um, and allow these jokes to happen, and you chuckle, or you don't say anything. Then you are participating, and you are um, you are supporting that. You are you are saying to that other person that it's okay. You know, you as someone of 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 Christ, someone of love, someone that wants to stop racism, needs to. Stop that. You need to say to that person, hey, you know, use the I statements like uh, my wife and I, we learned in, in in our marriage counseling. You know, I feel like, you know, when you say that, I feel like, you know, I feel I feel uncomfortable when you say this, you know, when you say these things, it makes me uncomfortable. It makes me sad. It makes me you know, it makes me feel um, like, you know, we, we shouldn't be talking about this. And And so I I think that it's important to. Uh, stop those things when they're going on. And, and, and the way that it makes me feel um, when, you know, no one cares is just like, it's kind of us against them. You know, it kind of makes almost like a us against them when, uh, you know, we have to take care of this problem, you know, because we have to take care of us because we're the only ones that's going to be, you know, able to solve this. And so, you know, even as a Christian, even as love, you know, you you, you fall back into these little feelings because of what you see you know, and, and what you experience in life. You know, you can quickly, you know, just change and just be, you know, like a, 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 a person that that, that that you don't recognize because of the anger and the, uh, 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 the, the rage that you feel when these things go on and you experience it in yourself, in, in your family. When I felt those things for my daughters and they experienced those things, my wife and I, we cried. We were emotional and our daughters, I mean, even while talking to them and uh, they were telling us we were emotional, angry, angry, angry first and, and, and enraged first. But later on, like, why do does my daughter have to experience this at such a young age? Why do they have to, you know, no, no, why do we have to have these discussions with them? And so it's important that you don't just brush it off. You know, it's important that my 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 Caucasian brothers and sisters don't just brush it off. You know, speak out against it. You know, be 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 Ryan Day. You know, what I mean, be that person that is not afraid of ruffling feathers to speak the truth. You know, and do your research. You know, he says that sometimes he says thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's how it is. Oh okay, yeah. Let me go take a look at that. You know, because he is studying up on that. He is becoming educated so that he can speak smartly you know and so that he doesn't offend when he speaks to uh you know to to his brothers and sisters of another color or another you know ethnicity
0: i think um maybe it's a good moment for us to maybe even help by defining some terms um and i think it's important like what you said that that we do educate ourselves that we're not afraid to involve ourselves in conversations Um, read articles, read books. Um, uh, Just recently, I read the book, Just Mercy, uh, which is a beautiful book um, about, you know, the lack of justice in our um, system for the African-American community. Um, You know, so educating ourselves around these ideas. But some of these terms that I think are important is like racism, racist, at anti-racism. So there's a difference between um, I I wouldn't I'm not a racist. I've never been a racist. Um, but so a racist is someone who who definitely actively, overtly, intentionally participates in activities uh, based on race. A uh, contrary to uh, people of color, African Americans. You could be a racist against. Uh, Asian-Americans, you can be racist against a number of different ethnicities, but someone who's actively participating, KKK, uh, uh, um, neo-Nazis, yeah. skinheads, um, those kind of-
1: life. They claim that. You Correct.
0: Know. Uh, alt, alt-right has moved that way these days. Um, those kind of, they claim this sort of uh, white identity, this nationalism mentality, um, the superiority of races. That's someone who is a racist. Right. Uh, then there's racism where, where things are happening around us that are, um, that are um, contrary to equality and that and doesn't deal with uh, racial inequalities. Um, and so like for me, I participated in racism without knowing that I, par- I may even today participate in racism that I may not know that I'm participating in it off the, off the cuff. If that makes sense, like I might, I might involve myself or support even uh, companies that are overtly dealing in this and not realize that I'm, that I'm involved in racism. Um, And then, and then for instance, I can be involved and this might ruffle some people's feathers, but I'm going to say it anyways, I might be involved in racism in a way where when someone says black lives matter, my response is all lives matter. Right. I've just participated in racism. Yeah. What I just said was, shut up, we know better. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I come out and I'm in my response to police brutality is hashtag back the blue.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and, and listen, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna be clear, I've said this before, but there is not one institution not one institution that is afforded from me unconditional support, not the church, not a pastor, not a priest, not a police officer, not a government official, ain't nobody, nobody that is afforded unconditional support from me. If you do wrong, then you should be brought to justice for the wrongdoing that you're doing. So that can be racism. You can be involving yourself in racism without even recognizing that's what you're doing. And then there's and i'll let you speak to this because neither one of us are experts on this but you have more experience than i do for sure but then there's anti-racist or anti-racism and that is this that when i that i this is me i hate racism Mm -hmm. i hate racism and when i see it I must, I must commit myself to being anti-racism, anti-racist. When I see it, even if I see it in me, Mm. I need to address it. I need to, if it's in me, repent of it and make it right. If in others, educate, call out, do whatever I can to, to do my level best to end racism. Amen. What, What are your thoughts? So, um, a lot we talked about
1: <laughs> we talked about a little bit about uh, I think you you touched on about uh, aboutism, and uh, and so that is uh, something that uh, you mentioned about you know Black Lives Matter Blue Lives Matter All Lives Matter White Lives Matter I was just watching uh, we just moved from Abilene Texas and it's probably about 95% um, Caucasian maybe 90% and some uh, Latinos and a really small amount of African-Americans and so they were marching and I guess it was about 200 people marching and I was like, oh wow, Abilene, okay, go on Abilene. And so um, people were uh, posting on there. This is great. This is great. This is great. And then uh, they were saying, you know, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. And then while that was being said on the video, people were saying all lives matter, white lives matter, blue lives matter. And they were doing that. They were doing that They were discrediting what was going on right there. We're not saying that, you know, those lives don't matter. We know that we're not saying that those lives don't matter. We're saying that right now, there's, a, there, there, there's something going on in our country to where, you know, black men are being and, 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 and blacks are being killed uh, when they shouldn't be. You know, even they should probably maybe be arrested, taken in, questioned or whatever, but they should be able to leave that police station and saying, okay, I was innocent. I didn't do anything and leave, but they are being, being murdered. They're being killed. And so what we're saying is our lives matter. White lives already been mattering for years. So stop saying that your life matters. You've been mattering (laughs) for lack of better English.
0: Right. Uh, I mean, you jumped over here to Black Lives Matter, which is another term I wanted to um, define a little bit because right. it has been co opted by r- extremes on both sides uh, of the political partisan aisle, if you will. Uh, but the reality of, of it is, in the beginning, the genesis of this idea of Black Lives Matter is really, hey, Black Lives Matter, too. True. Not yep. only. Um, yep. and, and it'd be ridiculous if. If in my neighborhood here, um, one of the houses was set up, was on fire and the pol- the uh, fire department showed up and was attempting to put out that fire and I would start shouting, hey, my house matters too. Well, my house isn't on fire. Yeah. I don't need them to focus on my house. My house is not on fire. They need to focus fire. on the yeah. house that is on fire. And that's yeah. essentially what that statement is that's trying right. to say. It's trying to say, listen, Um, there's not been a moment where uh, Caucasian white folks like myself were considered three-fifths human right there's not been a situation where that's been the case. And so there's not been a situation, systemically speaking, where my whiteness, uh, which isn't even an ethnicity, uh, my whiteness was keeping me from being able to afford myself opportunities. And I think that that brings us like to privilege or what's known as white privilege. Right. Um, and I can kind of speak to that. You can speak to that. Okay, But um, what I I posted on my Instagram, a a sort of a a explainer of white privilege. And the first slide says this white privilege doesn't mean your life hasn't been hard. It means your skin tone isn't one of the things making it harder. There's plenty of other privileges, socioeconomic, male, heterosexual, Christian, able-bodied, but white privilege is perhaps the most enduring throughout history. And I would say even white male privilege, as we mm-hmm. talked about yesterday, because there's also that privilege that I have that uh, that females aren't afforded. Um, mm-hmm. I, I get paid more for the same job than most females on average. Um, but in particular, uh, white privilege is not this idea that I didn't work hard or that I didn't struggle too. Sure, I did, but my skin tone was not weaponized against me or used against me to consider me less than human three-fifths human uh, uh, property of someone uh, or that systems were set up to withhold from me
1: right right or or the you know or the fact like you you know you mentioned just being held back you know i look at some different times in my military career uh, where uh, racism was a, a factor to where um, I was, you know, I was, I was a worker, you know, my, my, my dad brought us up to work hard. And so whenever I did anything, I was, I would, I would work all day, work all night and, you know, and, and trying to make it happen. And so when it came time to getting, uh, uh evaluated this, this one, um, um, white guy, he was, he was, he was, and now that I see he was very racist back then, I was just like, man, he's mean, you know, he's mean, he like, he's mean to me, you know, but, he would he would tell me that hey you can only get this rating you know with me you can only get this rating and i was like but why are you saying that what do you mean by that he said because you know that this is this is all the high this is the highest that i give and you know he was giving his my other counterpart white uh, uh, uh uh airmen he was giving them the highest ratings and you know i was running circles around them and so you know God willing, I thank God for the leadership that I had back then. I was able to take it to them. They, you know, understood and uh, they worked it out and they were able to, you know, to, to change things. But, I mean, if I wouldn't have spoke up or what have you, you know, I would have just been, you know, in my career. And so, you know, I have a lot of situations in that, you know, even later on in my career that, you know, I could see and I would see that stuff and I'd be like, okay. But I'm going to let you know. So as, as a black man, sometimes we'll, we can fight that stuff. But other times it's difficult to prove it because it's so, you know, overt. It's so casual. It's so, you know, on the side that I could go to court and say, you know, it, 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 all this. But if I do, you know, I could ruin my career. Da, 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 da. So sometimes we, we as black people, we think that it's easier just to say, you know, we're not gonna fight this one. You know, I mean, we're gonna fight through it versus fight it you know, and, and, and later on in my career, I became, you know, a lot less like that. But in the beginning, I was just like, man, it ain't worth it. You know, just, just keep working, just keep doing your thing. And, 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 you know, God will take care of you. But the, 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 the privilege is, 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 is there. And it's, and, and it's just, um you know, it, it's something that needs to be recognized. And, and your definition was excellent because, you know, it's just, it's just, it just feels like, that sometimes we're, you know, back. You know, we, we, it's a head start. You know, it's a head start that we that 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 white America has on us, and then we have to try to catch up or try to, you know, get what we can get out of the race. You know, a third place or a fourth place based on our placing. You know, mm-hmm. and so it's uh it's, it's 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 a difficult conversation. I'm glad we're having it, and um and and I'm glad that you are able to educate people on what these things are
0: are, are about we're going to, we're going to have to wrap up here pretty soon because we're yeah. like, we can do this forever, but like, um, I think it's important that people go and, and like look into, for instance, like the 13th amendment, um, which was liberation of slaves, but embedded in the 13th amendment created the prison complex, which shifted slave labor basically into prison labor. And, um, and um, things about the educational system and how the educational system has worked its tail off uh, systemically to divide up and create a lower income, predominantly people of color educational system versus a white um m- White supremacist, sort of, uh, you know, a privileged system of education, banking systems, housing lenders. There's a reason why the housing lenders have to say equal opportunity housing lender. Yeah. Because the reason- at one point it was established as not being so, yeah. and that has been shifted. So it's not to say that things haven't shifted in America, we know that things have gotten better. Um, But just because they've gotten better doesn't mean that we stop the work doesn't mean that we continue to search out where systemic racism is is um, prevalent in our systems. It's prevalent in in our people, in our even our own selves and and weed that out. And the what about isms that you talked about earlier just are not helpful. Like right now, I get it. Um, people are rioting. Um, you and I talked about this. We're both uh, opposed to the idea of riots. Well, while, while I oppose riots, while I don't I don't support. Let me say this: while I don't support a riot, right. I understand rioting. I
1: understand the anger and the. Just- like, I can't do anything, I need to do something,
0: I'm angry, I'm mad! I have thought to myself multiple times, if if that were you on the streets, my friend, that was losing his life, this video went all over the place, I would be unglued. Like you would not be able to contain me whatsoever for even one moment. And so I understand the boiling over, the frustration time after time after time after time after time after time. We are seeing this happening, and people aren't saying anything. People aren't yeah. doing anything, and right. so I get that. So we've got to eliminate the "what about isms," and we've got to lean in, and we've got to hear from uh, our brothers and sisters like yourself. Tell me your story. Tell me why this impacts you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, well, you can't do it. They shouldn't be rioting. Okay. Well, you shouldn't be be out in the streets with picket signs. That's not how you do it. Okay, well, you shouldn't be kneeling during the National Anthem. That's not the way you should do it. Okay, like every protest, like that's not how you protest. And I posted today, I've said this multiple times, and I believe this with all of my heart, that a protest that is both convenient and mutually agreeable ceases to be a protest. Right. Like we've got to stop t- t- policing the protest, if you will, and start listening to the roots behind why are these people so angry? Why are they so upset? And what can I do to speak out for justice on their behalf? Yeah. Now, so last thing we've got to talk about and we I think we're almost an hour here already. Okay. How do we move from from apathy, this is not my problem, to advocacy where we come alongside and and practically help um in, in this issue of racism in America. Yep. Yeah.
1: So is there ever a um a cure to all this. No, but there's things that we can individually do, you know, um, you guys are in Oregon sitting in Wilsonsville, and uh, a Lovely community and such. I've been there lovely community, but the things you need to do is uh, learn to recognize and understand your own privilege. Right. And we, we did some educating on that today and and We also talked about having empathy, having empathy for those that are going through this. It's easier for you to say, oh wow, that's terrible and change the news, all right? Also what you wanna do is uh, uh, validate it. And we talked about it today, you know, it needs to be validated that, you know, that people of color are going through these things, right? And please don't keep saying about you're colorblind and all that good stuff. I'm really tired of hearing that because we don't need to be colorblind. We need to see each other. You know, we were talking about before that God has made us all these different ways, right? We can see each other as that, but we need to just treat each other equally. And it needs to be across the board and everything. And these are the things that we need to do, and it's it's going to be hard because there's people that are like Ryan Day that are a blessing to the community and are a blessing to everybody that he comes in contact with. But there's also people like the uh, like the like the, the policemen that that um, that killed Mr. Mr. Um, George uh, George Floyd, and so we need to be have that empathy. We need to call out these racist jokes. We need to stop these things when when they come uh, in our midst, wherever we may be uh, amongst all. Our friends and if it's if it's something that shouldn't be said, let's stop it and and these these are some of the things that we can do to just try and you know just try and and, and change what we're going through in this country. you know I was, I was looking up something earlier and they were talking about Martin Luther King. he made um, this speech. And uh, it said, the beauty of the world lies in the diversity of its people. I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the, uh, the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. And mm-hmm. so Martin Luther King, he said that in his noble Peace, uh, noble, uh, peace uh, acceptance speech, and so uh, Nobel Prize acceptance speech, I'm sorry. Uh, but we, 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 we have to do a little something. You know, you don't have you don't necessarily have to be the person maybe that's going to Congress, but do your part, do your part to stop to stop racism and to stop these things that are going around us. And and, and, and we as black people, we will appreciate anything that you do you know, we, we have some Caucasian brothers and sisters out there marching for us in the streets and stuff. That's a blessing. You know, I mean, that's a blessing to see that that we're coming together, you know, in, in unity to say it's got to stop, you know. Donald Trump, Mr. President, do something, say something to make these things stop. you know we need your help, we need your support, you know we need something from you you know and 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 cricket, so we just we just want we just gotta as Christians, we gotta stay in prayer for it, we have to make sure that we do our part and we have to make sure that um you know we're just a blessing to one another and 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 last thing is that when you come in contact and you come in these situations um watch your 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 casual racism watch the things that you may do Clutch your purse or you know i walk into a store and you know and you keep following me around and things like that you know watch those things because you know to me i'm looking at that as racism i walk into a store you know a white person walks in can i help you sir or ma'am you know i walk in and i just walk around and i never been i never i'm never asked if i can have if i can be helped And so, you know, in stores like that, I really don't want to spend my money. You know, I want to walk away and then I'll go talk to the manager and say, hey, you know, I saw this, I noticed this, Y'all might want to work on this and I'll walk out, you know? And so, you know, we just want to, we just want to make sure that we bring awareness to um, this situation. You know, I'm sitting here today, you know, I'm not okay. I'm angry. I'm upset. You know, I'm watching the news and I'm I'm, I'm going through posts and seeing all these things that are just, you know, people being angry about what's going on and, and no changes that are being made. You know, nothing is changing in, in, in a black man's eyes right now.
0: I appreciate that. I think it's important to point out what you said, saying uh, that, well, I'm just colorblind. I don't see color. That's not advocacy. Mm-mm. That That's not helpful at all. Yeah. Because what we need to say is, I see your color. I hear your voice. I see your struggle. I stand with you. I believe in the dignity and humanity of your life that is as equally important as the dignity and humanity of my life. And we stand together as brothers and sisters um, in that situation. We don't want to be colorblind. The kingdom of God is not colorblind. The kingdom of God is filled with every nation, tribe, tongue, every people group that you can imagine singing the praise of God. And so to be, quote, unquote, colorblind, Or I don't see color is to be antithetical to the kingdom of. God. Mm-hmm. And as we come alongside as advocates, we have to learn, we being uh, Caucasian white people, how to lay down our power, how to empty ourselves of our power and mm-hmm. use those platforms to empower our brothers and sisters to hear their voices, to hear their stories. Amen. Um, and, and to line it out there. And I, and, and I want to caution people from using, uh, Pete here shared a quote, a beautiful quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I want to caution people from using Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Against his principles, and and you know I've been seeing people posting up memes. Not one, you know, prote- peaceful protest. Not one looting. Not one blah blah blah. And you don't understand Dr. King if you're gonna if you're gonna use him against his own um, people, against his own um, uh, call on onto humanity. I mm-hmm. mean, Dr. King himself said that a riot is the voice of the unheard. Um, that this is the, this is what happens when you refuse to listen. (laughs) Right for decades and decades, event upon event, what's going to inevitably come is a riot, no matter how many peaceful protests there are. So I would encourage us not to use, it's not it's not helpful to try to use Dr. King against Dr. King. And mm-hmm. if people ask me how I have the authority to say that was well, own daughter and son have both come out pleading, please do not use my father against uh, mm-hmm. the protests, against the rioting. Right. He has opinions that are clearly, letter from Birmingham jail. Um, it, I have a dream speech, you name it. The things that he has spoken have been clearly um, written. So don't use a small point part of Martin Luther King and feel like, well, I I did my due justice. Yeah,
1: build a whole whole point behind it. Yeah.
0: Um, so, man, Pete, thank you so much. I, I hope and pray right. that this will help people. Who knows? We, we may have stirred a hornet's test. We may have to get together again and have a discussion and post it up again right. uh, about more in depth on how we can do this. Again, we're not experts in this. We're just two people who love Jesus, love each other, and, right. and, and want to help bring healing and reconciliation to the situation. So, I'm so grateful uh, for you taking the time, man. Appreciate you. I love you, and we'll have talk soon. Time.
1: Love you too. We'll talk soon. All right.
0: Well, I know that that was a lot. Um, Thank you for hanging in there all the way to the end. There's a lot to digest there. Please, if you have any questions, Thoughts Shoot them my way. Uh, We can talk more about this. Uh, Let's do our best not to be divisive in our discussions. Let's try to have really constructive uh, conversations around how we can engage in this idea of racial reconciliation and how we, the church, engage in this conversation together. It is a problem, and and we must not be silent about it. We must do something about it. So thank you for sticking in there. Next week, we're going to start our series uh, on Pentecost cost and the Holy Spirit. Um, but before you go, let me pray this blessing over you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening. It's our desire to lead people to know Christ and to make him known. If you'd like to support the ministry of Hope Assembly, go to hopeassembly.org. Thank you for listening, and God bless.